This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. Hello there. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is New Zealand-born, Australian-based comedian, writer, and one-time dancer with the stars, Cal Wilson. Cal and I caught up in the green room before a gig recently. Uh, We talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about earthquakes, how Cal started out, awards, Edinburgh, glue gun art, the lot. You'll enjoy it. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Cal Wilson, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. We're about to do a gig in a couple of hours. Yes. Here we are in a green room in Upway at the uh, Bar and Jewel Theatre. Do you get, after doing stand-up for 20 years, do you get or do you find that green rooms all just blend into one? You, you yeah. can't remember particular ones? They're just or all... I'll remember theatre by the green room. Oh, really? Or the backstage area or yeah. the parking Yes, right. Or something. Or be like, oh, yeah, that's the place that you can't get a vegetarian meal. Yeah, that right. town. Like it's that kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember the first green room you were in as a, for, before a stand-up gig? I, I, I certainly do remember that first gig green room. Do you? Yeah, it was a bit weird for me because I started off doing improv. Right. So I did improv for about five years before I ever did stand-up. Yeah. So by the time I did stand-up, I was already – already used to being backstage kind of thing. But oh, the, so it wasn't a yeah, – Yeah, but the green yeah. room at the Court Theatre in Christchurch, like I remember that so vividly. I remember everything about that room because we spent so much time yeah. in there and that's still – like it doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. I think maybe that part fell down. I'm not sure. Oh, in the yeah. earthquake? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no good. So I don't think it's still the same inside, but yeah, like I can picture that room yeah. so clearly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Christchurch, you were born and raised in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did sort of performing become an interest to you? I remember as a kid, I must have been about five or six, forcing my family to watch me do a play with my brother <laughs> and forcing him to do the play. And it was yeah. us crouched down behind the kitchen table and we had polystyrene cups on our hands with faces drawn on. <laughs> and I would tell him what we were going to do. And then you say this. Yeah. And then I say this. And like in my mind, it went on for like 40 minutes. I don't know how long it actually went, but that's the first time I remember yeah. wanting to perform. And yeah. I always wanted to be an actor. I thought that's what I was going to end up You're right. doing. And you got good reactions from the family with the cups on the hands? I think it was possibly cute for a moment because I was related to them and then yeah. I mean I don't know that anyone else remembers that but that's really vivid yeah have you pulled the cups out since I actually um, reincorporated it into a show I did a couple oh, really? of years ago yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it ended up with giant versions of the polystyrene cups uh singing a Billy Joel song to each other oh yeah which one uh Piano Man oh it's always course, Piano Man yeah, yeah yeah I actually was listening to Billy Joel Greatest Hits last night really at the in-laws yeah there you go Uh, Did you study uh, performing arts as well? I did a degree. I did a BA in classical studies and drama. Okay. Um, Two incredibly useful subjects and an incredibly useful degree. So, yeah, so we studied the theory of (laughs) – the theory of drama, we had this German lecturer who hated improv and the first thing he said to me was, 
um, talent is the least important thing to have or something <laughs> like Like it was just – and he had his mates come over from the German Free Theatre and we did this incredibly laborious three-hour play called Hamlet Machine <laughs> – which I've got the VHS somewhere and I watched it once and I was like, oh, that poor audience, that poor <laughs> audience. So it's like just there must have been 30 university students yeah. and like a couple of mature students but everyone else is like 19 and convinced that they are going to be a star. <laughs> and Hamlet Machine is just repeated text over and over again and all of the men play Hamlet and all of the women play like Medea or so. I can't yeah. even remember who the women play but we're all the same – Person, but and we all wore paper mache masks of wow. our own faces. <laughs> so, like, how much more pointless? Like, just wear some white makeup. In like, three hours, three and a half hours, actually. Interval or just straight through? Just straight through, and wow. and so it was done in the art centre in Christchurch, and so the audience would move from space to space, and we would be in there. Bandit wearing bandages, bandaged to the wall, going, I destroy the bounds of my captivity. <laughs> and then uh, at one stage, we rode chairs down a hallway, like standing on the back of a chair, like rocking them down a hallway. And I remember running over a man's hand, like just, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, it was just agonizing. And there was yeah. one woman that we had in our. Our show, who I've worked with several times, and whatever show she was in, she'd just get a boob out. Like, just <laughs> like she would just always have one boob out. It's like, oh, yep, there she goes again. Like, yeah, right. yeah. what did she go on to greater things? Did well, she... she was she was a professional actor, so right. she'd obviously learned the secret was to get a okay. boob out. So, did she make it on TV and where she got a boob out on New Zealand I don't TV? No, actually, she was a, she was a stage actor. I don't, I don't know whether she was ever on TV. What is she still doing it? Maybe she, she'd be an older woman by just, now. So. <laughs> Forged a career just out of just sneaking a boob yeah. out onto the. <laughs> wow, it is a good little like. Uh, I mean, it's a, definitely yeah, it's good, good for shock value. I mean, you definitely yeah. go, oh, yep, I'm looking at that one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and for a point of difference, remember, yeah. no one else is getting them out. I don't remember it was the out. same one every time. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gave them an equal airing or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then you studied in Christchurch, yep, or did Canterbury you? University. Can- yeah, yep. right. So, that, that is that the same one Sam Neill went to? Oh, if he went to a Canterbury University, it would be the same. Same one, yeah. It's like yeah. beautiful old. The, I've seen a documentary. Oh, with him you in see, it. Yeah, the art centre where the art centre, what is called the art centre now, used to be the old Canterbury University. But I, yeah. by the time I was there, I was at the really um, ugly sixties ah, okay. university, which yeah. is a brilliant university, but buildings not okay, not nice. Uh, did it get? Uh, the art centre was damaged yeah. uh, and the, the court theatre was part of the art centre. So where I did my first performances, that was all really damaged and, and the theatre just had to move out oh, and right. leave everything behind, like no costumes or anything because it was so unsafe to go in the building. Yeah. So they set up shop in a warehouse over the other side of town and it just looks like the old theatre but inside a massive oh, shed. Right. It's really yeah. amazing. It's oh, beautiful. Cool. Did you uh, experience many earthquakes when you lived there growing up? Some like it's it's like I think each country understands its own natural disaster. So like you yeah. guys understand bushfires, yeah. whereas I go that is the most fucking frightening thing yeah, I can imagine. Right. Why would you live anywhere with a tree? Like mm. I just can't <laughs> get my head around it. Whereas we go, oh, you yeah, you grow up knowing that there could be earthquakes. Yeah, and so there were a few. Like I remember being in one. Uh, I was in my early twenties and I was in a flat. It was an old wooden building, and I remember looking out the window and just seeing construction cranes sort of whipping backwards and forwards wow. like just like like really moving yeah. and the the building that we were in we watched cracks run up the wall and across the ceiling like someone was drawing them with a pencil like just go yeah right up across the ceiling like and and that was scary it was mm. nowhere compared to any you know anything like the the major ones mm. It's, I, I went, remember I was at, a, uh, I think it was the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney and they had a floor that you could stand oh, yeah, on that was an yeah. earthquake simulator and I just couldn't, it was only like set on six or something and yeah. which is, is pretty high still yeah, but they can go big, to eight yeah. or nine. Yeah, and, and that's exponentially larger. It's not like, it's like mm, 10 times more extreme. So seven right. is 10 times more, I think it's 10 times more, Yeah, 10 times worse. It's not just one level worse. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah and just standing on that floor, I was like, this is… yeah. Unbelievable! Like yeah. it just must be scary stuff. But obviously, you not to you. Well, yeah, because we didn't like everyone knew about uh, you know about the fault lines that go up the Alps, and you know that Wellington is going to go at some point, mm. and so you know that. But the earthquakes that happened in Christchurch, there was a fault line that they didn't know about, so it was a real ah, shock. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to be Christchurch, so mm. I mean, it's really I I wasn't there for it, and it's a, a thing for me where that. That when the first big one happened, I was like, "Oh, I'm now on the I am now on the other side of a, a valley from my family that I can never cross that valley." You know, like they've all wow. had this immense experience together, this life changing, mm. life altering 
terrifying experience that just went on and on and on. And I, I will never know what that's like. Right. Yeah. Like it was a real, yeah, it was really bizarre. And we were there for a couple of large aftershocks and my husband is Australian. And so mm. he, he hadn't appreciated what it felt like. And yeah. so he'd kind of make little jokes about, you know, how bad could it be kind of thing. And then we were there for one that was quite bad and still nothing compared to the mm. big ones. And he was like, I'm never going to make a joke really? again. Like, yeah, like, cause you're sitting there and the fence ripples, like you see the fence ripple and then the walls shake. And my nephew just started screaming and it was just mm. terror. Like, and we'd, arrived from Australia like an hour before and we're having a cup of tea with all of my family yeah. and all of a sudden this massive quake happens and our son was 18 months old and mm. down the hall in a porticot and so Chris just ran down the hall to get him and my niece afterwards went, do you realise that you pushed me out of the way? Like she was standing <laughs> the way and he just like shoved her <laughs> and ran off down the hallway to get our baby who slept through the whole thing. But yeah. it's, it's like you can't get your head around – the earth is behaving in a way that you can't understand. Mm. Like like everything you know, like you know that everything around us is solid and permanent and immovable and then mm. the earth is like, no, it's not. Yeah. And it just shakes everything up and you can't get your head around it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I guess, yeah, you'd never know unless you've been. Yeah, yeah. Short, yeah. It's incomprehensible. You, in 94, so you went from uni, did you start your improv, you started? I started at high school. So there was a radio station had a um, theatre sports competition, ran a theatre sports competition, and we won it in our last year of high school. I think we won 500 bucks. <laughs> we divided between, well, 400 bucks between five people. Amazing. And off the back of theatre sports arriving in New Zealand – one of my friends who arrived from Canada as it like he was a trained actor and and had done improv for years, but theatre sports kind of burst onto the scene, and so he started a a troupe in Christchurch. Do you know what's what started that the boom in in New Zealand? Was it any particular no. people, or was it a? Oh, it was kind from... of that the the Canadians came over and did a tour, I think, oh, okay. and and yeah. people were teaching it in Australia as well, mm-hmm. and so it just became this thing that everyone was doing, mm. and um, so Michael started. Scared Scriptless, which is a long-running improv show that's still running now, 28 wow. years later or something. Right. And so I was involved in that. So when I was sort of 18, I think, is when I started. Right. And so I've just been in this weird position of always having earned my living from performing. Like, yeah, that's – so you know other job before Oh, that? yeah. yeah, yeah I'd, like, I worked in the library for two hours a week for $1.24 <laughs> an hour, but that did <laughs> not quite pay the rent. Uh, yeah. And then I worked as a checkout check, but – yeah, like I've always earned money from yeah, performing. Wow. And we were just in a unique position where there was a whole bunch of really talented people. There was one professional theatre in Christchurch and they went, yeah, come and have the space. And we had free rehearsal space. Oh. They gave us a really cheap rent for the main stage and we just learnt on the job. So mm. we were shit for a start, <laughs> but there was nothing else happening in Christchurch yeah. and, and our audience was really loyal and grew with us and learnt with us as well. And so we just got – we just had this – like how lucky were we to do yeah. a show once a week mm. for years, like for years, and then do corporate work? Yeah, it was just a really unique bunch of people who were all really great. Yeah, during that corporate work, was that where you've told me a story before of being having something? Did you get something thrown at uh, you? Chicken, yeah, yeah. Was that so, during that? Was yeah, that during yeah, those so years? Christchurch. Yeah, so we we do these <laughs> corporate gigs where you'd go and you'd um, you'd get a bit of information about the company, mm. and then you'd you'd do your um, surefire. Theatre sports games. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be like a word at a time story where yeah. you each say a word at a time. And then uh, there'd be puppets where you you are the voice and the audience moves your bodies if you're a puppet. And there'd be day in life Shakespeare where mm-hmm. you'd replay someone's day as if it was written by William Shakespeare. And we did the, um, we did the Teagle Chicken Factory <laughs> Christmas party. And uh, we've like when we arrived, we felt a bit nervous about it because like there were just drifts of chicken feathers going around in the car park, like tumbleweeds, but yeah. but chicken feathers. And we got there; it was a five o'clock gig, and we found out afterwards that we'd been hired to slow down the drinking of the workers. <laughs> but the party had started at four o'clock, and they were already smashed at right. five, and they were smashed, and they were angry because. These were all the factory workers, right? So they'd been filleting chicken and preparing chicken and killing chicken all year. Mm. And uh, management had given them a Christmas party in the staff canteen and the catering was chicken drumsticks. (laughs) That was all the food was just chicken drumsticks. And so we get there like, how fucking appalling. Like what a terrible thing. (laughs) Recognise these. Uh, And because we'd been hired to slow down the drinking, they had this genius idea that our stage should be in front of the bar. So they'd, (laughs) 
stacked up a couple of pallets and we were just performing on pallets and people were literally pushing their way between us to go and order another <laughs> jug of beer, like in, your, in a singlet and shorts and gumboots, you know, like just real rough. And they just hated us. They hated us. We were wearing a corporate gig gear, which was um, like good black trousers, a white shirt and a wacky waistcoat. <laughs> like, so we all had a bright coloured waistcoat. And so we're doing our usual... So they just hated us. They hated yep. us. Uh, we were doing our best. Um, we were playing a puppet scene. And uh, so we'd got two, two people that we th- thought weren't quite as drunk to get up and move us. And one of the improvisers is like, oh, if you, uh, if you don't stop doing that, I'll hit you. And, and oh, instead, no. of, instead of the woman uh, who was supposed to be moving him, <laughs> moving his hand to pretend to hit the other improviser, she just went, yeah, fucking hit him. He's a cunt. <laughs> and like, so it was just... It was terrifying, and then they just got bored, and so they just started pelting us with chicken drumsticks. So they, we just and we kind of kept it going for a few minutes, and then yeah. we just ran out under a hail of chicken drumsticks, like it was like Saving Private Ryan, yeah. but with chicken. Like it was. Did, just, you go, did you get your money on the way out as well? We didn't get our money. We got paid like proper invoice and everything oh. like that. But we just, I just remember running out of the room under this hail <laughs> of chicken, and just running and running and running into the car and driving away. Like just was just. The worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, was it around this time you started the Court Jesters improv? Yeah, so, so group? Court, court Jesters uh, did the show Scared Scriptless. So, that ah, was a court okay. theatre and we were the Court Jesters. Right. Yeah. So, that, I think that started like 1989, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then 1994, like I got this off your Wikipedia page, <laughs> which is great. You were part of the New Zealand team, theatre sports team, that went to Los Angeles yep. and won. The theatre sports World Cup. World Cup. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. It was cool. like it was like um, I don't know, sixteen teams from eight countries or something like that. So mm. like no one else gives a fuck about it. But <laughs> it was such a great time. It was such yeah. a. Um, how did you? How did your way get? Did you have to do fundraisers? Yeah, or? we had to do fundraisers. Um, one of the guys in the troop had his dad worked for Air New Zealand, so we got a tiny bit of a discount. Oh, that's nice. um, but that's back in the day when Air New Zealand used to hand out Air New Zealand pocket knives or key rings. <laughs> um, and so we fundraised and we got discounted tickets and we paid for the rest ourselves. And we were the youngest people there, like we were all in our early 20s mm. and we just went and had a great time. And <laughs> we just, it was, yeah, we just had this great time just meeting all of these other nerds from other countries who also really loved improv because yeah. improv gets such a bad rap. <laughs> and awful improv is the worst thing in the universe. Like it is the most vile and horrendous and excruciating thing, but great improv is sublime. Like, mm. It's magnificent. And we were really good at it. Yeah. And we knew each other really well. We just had a really great time and we had no strategy and we just went and played against all these like, Danish teams and Dutch teams and teams from South Africa and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And it was just really – like we had an incredibly American time. Like yeah. it was really great. Do they still do the World Cup now? I don't know. I think every so often. But I think yeah. you can probably just go, oh, we're doing a World Cup and just be who you like. Mm. And you could have seven people from – Yeah. Tamuka in New Zealand, and oh, we've done the World Cup. Like I don't know. Like, did you um, make like the local news when you got yeah, back? Yeah, we with did. The cup? We made that. We we're in the paper. We're in I was going to say, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's got to be a pretty big deal. Yeah. We won a trophy that someone had glue gunned. Like <laughs> it was amazing. It was a really great trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and not long after that, you tried your hand at stand-up comedy for the yeah. first time. Yeah, and it wasn't something like I remember as a kid going, "Oh, I wish I was a comedian, but I am not funny, <laughs> um, so I will be an actor." And then we were doing all this corporate improv work that was going so well that we were getting paid in chicken drumsticks. And <laughs> our director of our company went, well, we need to offer our corporate clients more things. Yeah. So you, you and you go and try some stand-up. And it's literally that. And so I went away and wrote some stand-up. Had you seen much at this point? Not really. No. I had I, I had a cassette tape of um, Comic Relief from 1988 in okay. the UK. So it was people like Ben Elton and French and Saunders. Yeah. And so I'd heard it, but I hadn't really seen any. And there definitely wasn't a stand-up scene around. Like mm. there was a bit of sketch comedy on TV. There were the top twins who are the most beloved um, yodeling lesbian <laughs> twins uh, who are really funny and in their 60s now. And they were kind of like they'd tour New Zealand uh, in their caravans towed by their tractors. Like but <laughs> hilarious women and amazing. But kind of like that was our comedy history. Yeah. Billy T. James was right. around. So, But he was um, – he was sketch comedy sort of mm-hmm. TV stuff as well. And so we hadn't really seen any. Did you have any Australian influences then? Uh, people coming over, touring? Not that I saw. Yeah. Not that I saw. But we started doing it. And we were awful. But the audience loved us from having seen us do improv and they were really patient and okay. kind. That's handy. Um, 
yeah, like we had leeway <laughs> because we were familiar to them, but they'd never seen stand up before either. So right. it was just kind of like, oh yeah. Mm. And because we were improvisers, we thought we had to write new sets every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got material I've been doing for years. <laughs> so um, the first time we did it, it went okay. And the second time I did it, um, I think someone in my family had died and I was quite upset. Oh. And I remembered everything in my routine except the punchlines. And so I would just do these setups, these kind of long setups, because when you start out, you think you have to do a really long setup mm. to get to a joke instead of just getting to the yeah. joke. And so I'd do these really long setups, and the audience would be like, yep, yep, we go, yep, where are we going, where are we going? And then I'd just move on to another topic. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, okay, no, we're over here now. All right, yep, no, we're going. And we're going to – oh, no, no, nothing there. Okay, we're just carrying on. Like it was just a nightmare. And then – we just again were in that position where we could do it because no one else was doing it, no one mm. had seen it. So we just had this. We were just lucky enough. Yeah, that's to a really nice it. way to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I moved up to Wellington, and there was a sort of stand-up scene there. But you do like a gig like once every six weeks, and that was like, oh wow, again, like <laughs> yeah, like the comedy scene, like it's it's relatively small in Australia, but tiny, tiny in New Zealand yeah. at that time. Yeah. It sounds like I started in Canberra doing stand-up and yeah. it was, if you had a couple of gigs a month, you were like, oh, Yeah, that's, amazing, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you need to slow down because yeah. you're going to burn out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You obviously were doing something right because you won the inaugural, uh, you co-won the inaugural Billy T uh, Award, yeah. which is for outstanding uh, new talent in, yeah. in comedy. So that's that's must have been a... Yeah, it was how, how long had you done stand up for up until that point? Oh, okay. So maybe about uh, two or three years. Yeah, maybe? that's great. Yeah, and it was sort of like the the comedy festival was just starting in New Zealand, and I won it with my friend Ewan Gilmore, who was um, a beautiful man. He was mm. he was one of New Zealand's most beloved comedians. Like he was a yeah. Westie, um, so he's a big bogan, and that was like his thing. But he could just talk to anyone, and he was just. Gorgeous and so kind and yeah. so um, he was like my first comedy friend when I moved to Auckland. Like he he took me under his wing and like he fixed my car and oh. <laughs> like he was just a f- awesome guy. And so we won- we both won the first yeah. award and that was a really special thing. He died a couple of years ago and it was really unexpected and mm. um, I love saying his name like yeah. remembering him. God, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Um, like I, I, lo- I especially love if I get to talk about him on stage because it's yeah. like that's where his name belongs. Like, yeah, that's great. He was such a yeah, just and at his funeral, there were cops and military and um, gang members and just everybody really? fucking loved you. And like yeah. it was so, he just brought people together and yeah. everyone loved him. You know, like I think he um, he got into local politics. I think he was a mayor for a while and wow. became a marriage celebrant and just really lived his life hard out and yeah. kept. It was a bit like John Farnham, like kept retiring, but then just kept just back, coming yeah. back. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really special to me that we won that together. Yeah, because, that's on, the, on that trophy. Yeah, for yeah. Early, yeah. And, and we won 5000 bucks and a towel because Billy T. James wow. was renowned for like he'd do this kind of character where he'd do like the sort of like – it was kind of like Maori news and he'd mm. be in a singlet with a towel around his neck. And so we got a towel Great. like he used to wear kind yeah. of thing. And so now I have this towel and I don't know what to do <laughs> with it because – I kept it in the linen cover for a while, but people keep using it. And I was like, no, you can't. You can't use my prize. Yeah. Like, was that more exciting than the $5,000? No, the $5,000 is really exciting. <laughs> what did you do with that? Do you remember what you bought? I think I put it into my show and just living, oh, yeah? I think, just yeah. living on it. Oh, excellent. And it was crazy. Like, I was saying something to a younger comedian. Like, when I started out, your publicity stuff, you'd go and get your headshots done and you'd go and order a hundred. Uh, black and white prints and maybe 20 colour ones because they were quite expensive. Yeah. And then you get your stickers printed out with your name and address on the back. And so you'd send them off to media people. And when they'd yeah. finished with them, they'd send them back. Right. And you'd maybe get a couple of coloured slides done that you could send to a newspaper and they'd yeah. print them and then they'd send them. <laughs> but like it was all just so fucking old school. Yeah. And, all, you know, a printed out press release and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And like now it's just like you just email and yeah. like how much easier is it? Yeah. So. <laughs> And so some of the names that have since won that award, yeah. or just like I see Reese Darby was runner up a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. Like it's great to, yeah. it must be nice now to look back. Yeah, it's your great. name's on there, and you know, yeah. it's very cool. So, how long after that uh, did you come to Australia and do the Melbourne International Comedy Festival I for think, the first time? I think it was it was either two. I think it was two thousand and one or two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah, maybe two thousand and one. And I came over and I just I just came over to have a look. Yeah, um, you bought. With the show or you just came? No, I just came to have a look. Oh, right. But um, uh, Susan Proven was really supportive and kind and mm. so she let me go on Upfront, which was the all-women yes. yeah. lineup show. And so I got to 
do that. And I was like, oh, okay, yep, that works mm. kind of thing. And then I came over with a show that I'd done in New Zealand. It was called Hell Kitty. Yeah. Um, because I had a bag, a Hello Kitty bag, and I picked the O off, and I was like, "Oh, Hell Kitty! That sounds yeah. like a, you know." It's like I explained it as being that it's not like um, it's not Hell Cat, it's a Hell Kitty. So it's yeah. like the the Danny Minogue, not the Kylie Minogue. Yeah. I kind of like the almost great, you know, great, but not quite as yeah. great as the thing it should be. And so it was characters and stand up, and I got best newcomer with Fiona Lachlan. Wow, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you're awards winning. Was yeah, well, very I think they were the last two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're my only two. Yeah, oh, the, apart from a book token when I was yeah. ten for a story I wrote. Um, Good little patch there, though, with the yeah, yeah. World Theatre Sports Championship and the <laughs> Billy T, yeah. then the oh, uh, it's, best yeah. newcomer at the Melbourne International Comedy it was Festival. Only, it was only eighteen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did was that? Was that your first? Was up front and those gigs your first gigs in Australia? Yeah, you I here did before. one. I did a gig at um, at the Hi Fi, and I, I remember it really vividly because it didn't go great because I'd made the mistake of trying to do crowd work with a guy who was not up for it. Right. And did the Magic Roundabout come here? Was that you know Florence and Dougal and the name rings a bell? It was a really trippy kind of kids show, which was yeah. mainly watched by university students. I think well, it was right. one of those sixties kind of seventies. Mm. Name rings a bell. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah. So Dougal. Dougal was a dog with very long hair. Like, he was really mm. cute, but he had really long hair. And this guy in the audience had really long hair. And I was like, you look like Dougal from Magic Roundabout. And he was like, that's a fucking dog. And, like, was really <laughs> upset about it. But also, I'd come backstage. If he got chicken wings out and stuff, yeah. right, that would have been <laughs> ideal. He, he went in the duck. He just threw duck. Yeah. Um, but I'd gone backstage to introduce myself to the MC, Yeah. And I'd gone, oh, I'm, I'm Cal, because he hadn't met me before and I was in the line. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then was kind of really dismissive. <laughs> and then later on when he introduced me, he introduced me as Mr. Cal Wilson. And I realised oh. he'd thought I was just a woman that wanted to meet him. Like he thought I was just some girl that had come backstage to be like, I'm just really excited about meeting me then. My name's Cal. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. We won't say who that is then. Um, or you can if you want. I'll tell you later. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. So you've come out here for the festival. You've obviously had a good time mm. winning the awards, one award, the best newcomer. Uh, you went back to New Zealand yep. after that. But did you think uh, sort of on that oh, flight yes. home, did you think, I think I'm going to move to Always Australia? wanted to move to Melbourne. But okay. was with a guy who had a kid in New Zealand, so that was never okay. going to happen. Right. Um, and then I think by the next year we'd broken up. And, um, later, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not for that reason. It was, <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but, yeah, so, so the next year I came back and did another show and then ended up taking that show to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. The year after that, I think, and that was characters again. It was um because I because my marriage had broken up. It was a show about a wedding, and so I played all of the characters at the wedding. Right. So like the bride and the groom, and a weird aunt and a, a flower girl, and all this kind of stuff. And it was just kind of a way of using all the knowledge I had gained from getting married and then divorced within the space of a yeah. year. So that was so, the guy that you went that you, yeah, you were with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So um, yeah. and I remember finishing that show on the day that it opened, like writing right. on the the table at my friend's place because it, it was everything was just so fucked like it was a really bad time and just finishing writing the show that afternoon and going well I think that's how it ends mm. and then going on stage that night and going oh yeah that's pretty much how it goes <laughs> <laughs> How did you find Edinburgh the first first time? It was so crazy but mm. it was um, I'd been before as a punter and I'd been on a press pass so I'd seen loads of shows yeah. and so I kind of knew how enormous it was and I knew that it was going to be really hard. And so I worked really hard and I had a good time and I got a check at the end of it. Like, right. Yeah, which is not something that you, you can – You never hear people yeah, say that yeah. very rarely. <laughs> yeah, but it was, like, it was like the show was on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I was done by 3 and I'd just go and watch other yeah. things. And like I know when, when you talked to Reese Nicholson, he was like, oh, people talk about their best gig was with four people or whatever. The best gig was with eight people. Right. Like, and it was <laughs> gen- it was just because they weren't afraid of being eight people. Mm. You know, it was like a 90-seater venue or something or maybe – no, no, it was 45-seater. And they weren't scared of being eight people. I hear that about crowds over in yeah. Edinburgh that they are used to – because there's so much on. Yeah. There's a lot of shows that have between two and yeah. ten, so they're quite yeah. – Yeah. We had this horrific experience when we uh, – I took – and my husband with me to Edinburgh the first time. Like we, I'd met him in the meantime within mm. a year or something. And he is not in the industry at all. And so he was like, "Well, I'm coming to Edinburgh with you. It sounds like it's going to be really fun. I can't wait to go flyering." <laughs> like he thought flyering sounded like a fun thing to yeah. do. Where you hand people bits of paper that they want, and I was like, "It's really 
not lovely. And he was like, no, no, I think it sounds really great. And I was like, it's really not great. <laughs> he was like, no, no, that sounds really fun. And so he went and slide with me and he'd handed out two bits of paper and he came back and he went, I hate firing. And I was like, it's shit. <laughs> but and he's not, it's not even his show. Not even Normally his show. it's not as bad when it's not you yeah, no. on the flyer. Yeah. But we worked out a great way to sell it because it was about a wedding. We just say to people, would you like to come to a wedding? And they go, yeah. what? And you go, oh, it's a show about a wedding. Right. Like kind of thing. But he hates being in small crowds. Like he's really anxious when there's not a lot of people in a room. Mm. And I did the worst thing in the world to him. <laughs> I met a woman in the loos at the Gilded Balloon. who's another performer and she was telling me about a show. And she's American and I think she'd come over thinking that just everyone in Edinburgh goes to all of the shows. Mm. So uh, she's having a bit of a hard time and she's in a big venue. And I was like, we'll come and see your show. And so the next day um, I dragged Chris down to the <laughs> – the venue and there's only like about 30 people in the yeah. foyer waiting to go and he's like oh fuck there's hardly anybody here and I was like fine 30 people would be absolutely totally okay yeah. absolutely fine and uh, then someone comes out and goes is anyone here for last night a DJ saved my life and everyone goes yep and then everyone leaves except for me Chris and one other woman <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, what? So angry. And I'm like, well, we've got to go now because we're here. We're here, yeah. we're here. And so we go into this room and her venue was like 90 seats. Yeah. And so there's me and Chris and this other woman that we don't know. Um, and she sort of sits a couple of seats away from us. So it's a bit weird, but fine. Mm. And then the the performer starts doing a show and she's trying really hard and I'm doing my best to laugh as loud as I can. Yeah. And Chris is hating it, the fact there's only three people in the audience. <laughs> and then halfway through the show, we discover that the other woman is a plant. <laughs> So, yeah, because she, she just got up and handed us some cupcakes at a point in the show where there would needed to be cupcakes handed out. <laughs> so we were literally the only people yeah. in the audience. And then when the lights came up, the, the performer was like, oh, hi, Cal. Yeah. We're like, hi. <laughs> we don't even go. I would have had to yeah. cancel. She never spoke to me again after that. Oh, really? I think because she's so mortified that oh. we were the only two in the audience. Did her a solid too. Yeah. Um, Chris nearly didn't speak to me again either. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, did you get a cupcake at least? Yeah, we got it? a cupcake. Well, that's... that's Hard to eat with a dry mouth. (laughs) (laughs) When did you do the Comedy Festival Gala for the first time in Melbourne? That was maybe 2002 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Did that that get shown in New Zealand, the gala? No, no, no. I think it only got shown here. And I missed out on being the first New Zealander to perform the gala by about 20 minutes because the concords went on earlier in the night. Yeah, so they they, – they went on before and I was like, no, oh, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> That's nice. New Zealand represent yeah, 2002. Yeah. So you've, you've sort of in Melbourne now, you sort of established yourself yeah. in the stand-up scene. Uh, how, did, how did you find the Australian stand-up scene compared to, was it just a lot more going on? And yeah, did, it just felt a lot sort of bigger. Yeah. With open arms as well? Yeah, and what was really nice was because I'd come over and done, I'd done my first show here before I moved over. And so I knew, it was like, I moved over here and got a job on Skit House. Like I got – from my second show, from the winning show, I got invited to audition for the show. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm going to move over whether I get the job or not. Um, But I got the job, which was really lucky because otherwise I just had 10 minutes at the local in St Kilda. So (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to pay the rent for six months. (laughs) So I moved over and it was like getting to school halfway through term, but you've spent the holidays playing with the kids. So I kind of knew everybody and – People like Damien Callan and Scott yeah. Greenham were really welcoming yeah. and so it was a really soft landing. Mm. So, so that your first TV yeah, gig? Yeah. What an awesome yeah. – because yeah, it was a very oh, – Actually, I did successful. the panel a bit before I came oh, really? over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I came over and did that a few times. Yeah. But yeah, the Skit House was – it was so great yeah. coming to a I think job. It was Dam- I had Damien on this podcast as well. I think that was his first – uh, TV, yeah. A, yeah. Once he left, sort of teaching, that was his. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like it was an awesome experience. Yeah, it was yeah. really. And again, like a bunch of really talented people, mm. like Tom Gleason and yeah. Ross Hammond, and you know Peter Hellier, and like yeah, it was really. Yeah. It was everybody, really great. It sort of launched everyone. Didn't yeah, it? everybody yeah. sort of went on from there. So then, fast forward to like now, you've been on a bunch of TV shows. Yep. You've been. On things like Rove Live, Spicks and Specs, uh, Thank God You're Here, Good News Week. Uh, but would you say your biggest highlight in your Australian TV experience has been 2008 when you were on Dancing with the Stars? Oh my God, Daniel, that was so <laughs> odd. It was so. I'd always just kind of wanted to do it, like, because yeah. I'm so not, I'm not a physical person. Like, I don't, I'm the sort of person that just bumps into anything. Like, if there is an object in a room, I will bang my leg on it like I've, I've got a massive bruise on my leg right now from the bed that I walked into that we've owned for 15 years <laughs> but still apparently is in a different position every night like so I was like I just really want to wear a shiny frock and learn how to dance 
And it was it was so far out of my comfort zone. Like it was absolutely <laughs> so terrifying. We danced for like five hours a day. Like we'd rehearse for five hours a day and then I'd go and do my job. I was working on the radio at the time and I got pregnant and I didn't know that I was pregnant. <laughs> Not from the dance that everyone always asks that. Um, <laughs> but so I had this really weird thing where um, I was the fittest I'd ever been in my life and then I went and ruined it. Like I just right. ruined it by <laughs> – by getting a baby. Um, and, but I was knackered because I was pregnant, but I didn't know. Yeah. I was just like, oh, the dancing's really taking it out of me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Were you having morning sickness or anything? Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, was just, I just felt really tired. Like I'd get yeah. home and just be like, oh, I'm so tired. I was just so much dancing. <laughs> and I was really hungry. I'm just so much dancing. And then I was like, ah, oh, look, it's, it's been a while since I had my period. I should probably do, <laughs> should do a, um, a pregnancy test and did the pregnancy test yeah. and was like, oh, shit, I'm pregnant, like, which was exciting because we'd wanted to have a baby. Yeah. But then Chris wouldn't believe me. I think I had to do like seven. Like he just kept <laughs> on, like do another one. It's like, no, I'm totally pregnant. And then, and then we kind of – I was like, shit, so you can't tell anyone. You're not supposed to tell anyone. Mm. And then I was like, I've got to tell my dancer because he was like, okay, and then I'm going to scoop you up by one leg and like fly you around the room on my hat. Like I was like, no, I'm not doing any – I'm not so gonna, you're you're not going to throw me over yeah. your head. And he was like, it's really easy. I was like, I'm having a baby. And he was yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> Just do the pride of Aaron from yeah. now on, something yeah. nice and simple. Yeah. But then the, the week that I discovered that I was pregnant was the week that I got knocked out of the competition. So ah, it was really okay. perfect. Yeah. But then um, I had to come back for the finale and I was about 14 weeks pregnant <laughs> by that stage. So I looked like a little steamship. Like I was really <laughs> – but I still hadn't told anyone I was pregnant. So it just looked like I'd eaten the feelings <laughs> while I was – I'm so sad about getting knocked out. No, I'm Take the elimination quite yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you still – did you get an interest in dancing after that though? Or Not did you, really. Did you... Like it was like, like I loved wearing the costumes. I loved the spectacle of it. I loved my dancer. He was a really great dude. And uh, the weirdest thing that happened was we were um, – when we, we – like dancing with someone's quite hot. Like it is – like because you're – especially if they're an amazing dancer. It's quite mm. – they're doing very sexy things with their body and you're <laughs> in close contact. And my dancer was like, there's not going to be any funny business, no shenanigans. You're married. I'm my partner. You know, we've been together since we were kids. <laughs> she was awesome. He's like, none of that funny business because affairs happen on yeah. Dancing with Starts. And so I was like – Appreciate that so much, right? That's mm. so amazing. And then we were rehearsing the tango one morning. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. And he pulls me in and we're dancing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can feel something hard. <laughs> I was like, oh, fucking God. Like like groinal region. Like I was like, oh, fucking God. Oh, my God. He's broken. He's his got an erection. Like, I was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And he seemed really relaxed. Like he didn't, wasn't paying. But I was like, oh, my God, like bright red and sweating and going, I don't know what to do. Like it totally, it's like this erection drilling into my hip. Like, it's like, what am I going to do? And so I just kept dancing because he was dancing. And then like about a minute and a half later, we break away, like break our hold. And I look down and it's the knot of his jumper. <laughs> It would have been great if you <laughs> oh, if I'd blew, said yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Or just um, lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I was so mortified because then I was really mortified at like thinking that I had given a professional dancer <laughs> an erection with my moves. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't tell him for years. And then I told him a couple of years ago. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, so affairs happened on that show, did it? When, yeah. when you were there? Oh, uh, maybe. I'm not yeah. sure. I'll tell you off. Yeah. <laughs> Little inside scoop. It was a long time ago, though. Yeah, wasn't it was a long it? time ago. Yeah, Dancing with the Stars. Um, today, you're still. I was just going to say that of all of the things that I've done in my career, Dancing with the Stars is the thing my parents are most proud of. Oh, really? Like, yeah, totally. Like, forget anything else. That is the thing that they are like. Oh, remember when you're on Dancing with the Stars? And they came over from New Zealand. They sat in the audience. And they like like that. It was just the most exciting. This is, yeah. Look, she's dressed like a woman. Like it was. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and you, your partner obviously never got erections live in the tapings of the that you know. I of. thought you were asking me about my husband. <laughs> <laughs> we got one. That's yeah. how we got pregnant. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, no. It was all entirely, everything was entirely seemly. <laughs> Speaking of your partner, you now have a family, mm-hmm. and you, but you're still extremely active on the yep. stand-up circuit and uh, odd TV spots here and there. Have you found that you've got the sort of the work-life balance? Spot on now. Like, was it it's, was it hard to to sort that out originally? Because you were okay. Well, the hard so part was that my brain went away when right. Digby was born. Like, it took me a long time to feel like I came out of the fog. Like, I reckon it was about two years before I felt like myself again. Really? Yeah. Like, I, so I was I was back performing, but I just didn't feel as sharp. Mm. I think it's just sleep deprivation. I just <laughs> yeah, felt like, yeah. and I know a lot of other performers have. It's not been like that for them. For, but for me, it was really took me two years to go. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember who I am kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I was just tired. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm really fortunate in that my husband is incredibly supportive and 
views us as a team. So mm-hmm. he works from home and he does a lot of the childcare. Like, so he's kind of always been the, the primary caregiver of our son, yeah. which means that I can go away and do gigs and be away for, you know, a few nights at a time and life happens at home and he's much more capable than I am anyway. <laughs> but he's really into it and he's also really into going, oh, you're going to London for two weeks, we'll come. Like, yeah. you know, so – and because he used to be a primary school teacher, he's never worried about our son missing school because mm. he can just sort that out kind of <laughs> thing. So um, I am i don't feel that I would have been able to do what I've done if I didn't have a partner yeah. who was totally behind it and – also has this flexible job. Like yeah. I'm really fortunate. Yeah, that's that's really nice. But probably in a way that I wouldn't comment on if – or no one would notice if I was a dude and they had a really great wife at home looking mm. after the kids. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting that thing of um, I get – often at corporate gigs or something, someone will go, oh, who's looking after the – who's looking after your son? I'm like, the other parent yeah. is looking after <laughs> the son. Like, like yeah. I get asked that so often and I'm sure that – the guys who are dads on the circuit don't get asked, oh, who's got the children? Yeah. Like it's just assumed that there will be someone else looking after the kids. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll actually go, oh, shit, I don't know. Oh, fuck, I f- totally forgot. And just <laughs> freak out a bit. Yeah. Does your uh, son get a kick out of it when he sees you on TV and things like that? A little bit, but it's also just something that parents do. Yes. You know, like yeah. – like, you know, like Husey is just Raffy's dad, like because he's yeah. Husey's son. Kind of, it's just what parents do. He used to say, "Mummy does shows," mm-hmm. which I felt gave a slightly different air to what I might be doing. <laughs> but he's he's kind of unimpressed. Weird things impress him. When he when I was doing Edinburgh in two thousand and fourteen, the thing that impressed him the most was seeing me flyer, <laughs> which just bonkers. So he was <laughs> he was like what five? Yeah, so he's five and. His dad had him on his shoulders and they're walking down the street towards me and Digby just saw me handing bits of cardboard to strangers <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. He was like, oh, mummy, I love you so much. <laughs> like, it was so funny. And then he took a whole lot of my flyers and just started handing them out. And, of course, yeah. people take them off a five-year-old. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Did now you use him then for the rest of the yeah, fringe? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Earn your keep. Yeah. But, yeah, he's not, he's not impressed by it, but he likes things like if we get invited to a premiere of something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, he's pretty happy about that. Like, yeah. will there be free stuff this time? It's like, this doesn't happen for everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do uh, to get away from stand-up and, and performing? What do you, what's your favourite sort of just downtime? I don't know. You really? Yeah. <laughs> Probably reading. Like, I like to yeah. read. And I also really like to make stuff with my glue gun. Really? Yeah. So, um, so did you get this interesting glue gun work from the – World Theatre Sports maybe Championship Maybe that's where it award. started because it's yeah. like, oh, you can put a bit of bead curtain on a cup and then put that on top of a gold trophy and it looks amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so I make, st- I make stuff. like So and mainly I, these days I just seem to make wedding albums for people. So oh, yeah. so I find out what the people like, what their favourite things are and then I just – because I just collect shit, like little mm-hmm. bits of – like I'll go to op shops and I'll just buy out little shiny broken things or yeah. kind of McDonald's toys or bits out of a board game or something yeah. like that and then I just glue – glue it to an album it all has stuff that means yeah. stuff to that couple Great. and find like little figurines to represent the couple and things like that and then just just glue on shiny stuff and it's like <laughs> it's like I'm just a magpie with a glue gun <laughs> it sounds like oh what, a, what an autobiographical title um, yeah I just like creating I like giving something broken a second chance mm, as well like, that's nice I like that kind of but then once I've made it I don't want it anymore <laughs> like so I used to make sculptures and stuff and they'll be like oh, I, don't, I don't want it yeah. I just so I'd just give it to someone else or make headdresses. I quite like making like big oh, yeah. floral headdresses or things like that. Just it's the I find that really – it's like doing a jigsaw. It's kind of uh, creativity without stakes. Mm-hmm. So nothing – no one dies. No <laughs> one gets a bad review if at the end of it you've just made it. Like it's yeah. just – and the process is purely the enjoyment of – Yeah. The Have you ever tried to make your own merch? You ever thought about that? Vaguely, I, I that used, would be that would be pretty yeah. unique merch. It's very labour intensive. Oh, is it? But what I yeah. did do a couple of shows, I've made a prize for an audience member. So I've oh, had yeah. like a, I did a show about procrastination, and one of the gags in the show was um, the sculpture that I'd made instead of writing the show. Yeah. And at the end of the show, the person who was the biggest procrastinator in the audience got that trophy. Nice. And then another time, uh, I made a giant rosette with the person, and, and I'd write the person's name and their <laughs> achievement on the rosette and. I'd give that to the audience member, like yeah. a kind of – and I used to make props, like headdresses and things like that for right. characters. Yeah. Excellent. I did not I, – I didn't think you were going to say glue gun 
enthusiast. What did you think I was going to say? What would you um, have said? Oh, I and I talk about like my just, cats a lot. Like, well, I've been on tour with you before yeah. and you loved pool noodles at a pool. Oh, my so. God. Daniel Connell, was that not the best week of your life? <laughs> oh, my God. That is one of my favourite Roto <laughs> memories. Oh, my God. What's <laughs> This time last year, yeah, a year ago um, in Kananara. Yeah, so I thought you might you might like to you know you take the family on holiday and make them jump from the pool edge into the pool and see <laughs> how many pool noodles. pool noodles you can. Land. Oh my god! So it was who was it? You, me, uh, Carl, Carl Donnelly. Donnelly, Stu Syme, who is a uh, stage manager. Stage manager, yeah. Who else was there? We also had uh, Josh Earl. That's right. Is that it? Yes, I think so. And Bridget Bantick occasionally. Bridget, yeah. yeah. Um, and we went and we went to Darwin and they had lots of pool noodles in the pool and we were in the pool <laughs> late at night on all the pool noodles and we are like, this is way too much fun. Like, why let the children have them? And then we went to Kununurra and we stopped at the Toys R Us <laughs> and made Bridget Bantick go and buy us 28 pool noodles because we'd worked out that four was the optimum number of pool noodles <laughs> per person. There were seven of us. And then we just did we did beautiful slow motion videos of us jumping into the water onto pool noodles. Working hard. It's on Instagram. Uh, yeah, it's on Instagram. Yeah. And then I had to like ring home and be like, oh, it's not too bad. You know? <laughs> yeah, and then they see the videos. Yeah. Yeah, and in the greatest time. There was a family in the pool and we were like, oh, I suppose we have to let the kids have a pool noodle. Like I remember being really resentful. And then the dad tied one on a knot and I was like, that is not okay. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> and then Josh and I took home the pool noodles. We took yeah. half the pool noodles. We home. wrapped them up in plastic and they made yeah. the trip home. Chris was furious. <laughs> furious. Like, so we've got 16 pool noodles in our garage. We don't have a pool. Like, he's furious. But he coached is my son's basketball team he's just worked out that if you cut the pool noodles in half you can use them as a coaching aid it's like it sort of batters the children lightly around the head with the pool noodles like to get them to go in the right directions so it's finally taken a year it's great to hear they've They've lived on. Handy, yeah. yeah, it's nice. Um, what does the future hold for Cal Wilson? Um, what, what do you? What do you? Got anything in the pipeline you want to want to do? You want to open up your glue gun into a bigger? Oh, how amazing! Get a warehouse. And I'd love to have a shop. Some that I just sell glue gun <laughs> shit from. I've got a kids book coming out next year. Oh, which that's I'm exciting. excited about. Yeah, it's, had, had you always. Obviously, since you had a child, is that something that you wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, I'd always. I think everyone says I want to write a kids book. Like I feel mm. like that's something that people say. Oh, I'd like to write a kids book. Is it because you read other ones that your kid has anything I could do better than oh, this? Oh yes, but also <laughs> um, because I used to just tell him stories at night. Like I'd make up your a, own. Yeah, make oh, make him stories up at night, and he'd direct where he wanted the story to go. Scary or just no? There was. Oh, I went through a big Thomas the Tank Engine phase, mm-hmm. and then he wanted there to be a. He wanted there to be a train made out of poo. So there was a there was a train made out of poo that lived at Poo Town and there was Mr. Poo, the controller, that looked after that train and then there was also Wee Town. Just, yeah, so like this just is what your, your kid's book is, is this? Yeah, totally. It's just fecal. It's all about fear. <laughs> um, no, so my kid's book is about a family that I used to tell them about. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a big family and the, the youngest child narrates the – the story, but okay. it's like it's all chaotic, and the mum's an inventor, and yeah. you know things go wrong and and stuff. So I'm really excited about that coming out. But I finished that ages ago, and it's being illustrated. And so I've been talking about it for ages, and I feel like I've made it up. Like I feel <laughs> like I've gone. I've got this lovely boyfriend, but he lives in Canada, and you can't meet him. Like it's real, but it hasn't yeah. come out yet. So I'm busting for it to get that hard copy yeah. in your hands. Yeah. Uh, is it is it tricky writing a, a kids book? I. Is there, is there a lot of um, you know a lot of drafts just changing? Because I feel like I, I think I could try and write a, kid, a story for a kid, but do you, is there a lot of testing? Like having kids, did you get? Your... Well, I read it to Digby, like, yeah. and, and he said it was all right. Um, <laughs> but I think because I knew the characters really well, because I'd talked about them for a year, like right. you know, I, yeah. I knew them inside out, and so it felt really easy to write the first one. Um, and there was just a word count. I just had to stick to a word count. And the first draft that I handed in, they were like, you can you can use bigger words than that. Because I think ah. I was thinking in my head it's got to be Yeah, so what age is simple. this? So it's sort of six plus. So it's like a chapter book, but okay. it's got illustrations. And the thing that I'm the most excited about is that an old school friend is doing the illustrations. So oh, great. Yeah, so she's a an award-winning children's illustrator and we used to go to high school together. And I remember when we were 14 looking at her stuff and going, God, she's amazing. And oh. so now that... She's illustrating my first book. I'm just really chuffed. Oh, that's, that that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And when, when are you hoping it comes out? What's the uh, release next date? Year, like January, hopefully. Yeah, great. Yeah. Right in time for school. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And, and anything else you, you've I, I'm starting to try and write down sort of ideas for TV shows because yeah. I – or even web series or something like I'm kind of going I, – I, I just need to do something that I'm in control of. Mm. Um, Claire Hooper and I are working on a podcast right. idea but she's away doing Great Australian Bake Off yes, at the moment yeah, so she's yeah. out of town with cakes. But, yeah, I'm really excited when she gets back we're going to get stuck into yeah. that. Do you feel – uh, like you've obviously been in the game for a while now. Do you feel you you sort of your passion still as much as it was when you started? Do you feel like yeah, I think I still feel like I'm like I've only been doing it a couple of years and right. I've been doing it for more than twenty. Mm. And I still go, oh god, I've got so much to learn and I've got yeah. I, I can get so much better. Like I yeah, I still don't feel like someone called me a veteran the other day and I was like, oh god, <laughs> like I I suppose I am, but yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some things. Yeah. But yeah, I still feel I still feel like oh yeah, there's heaps to learn mm. and get better, and and the more I see other people, the more inspired I am to get better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, excellent. Well, I look forward to seeing what you've got to come in the future. I'll have a look at your kids' book. I please do, I'll like please it. do, uh, definitely. Start telling me what you like, and I'll start gluing yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you some old broken glass and things. Oh, from, well, not yeah. glass, but oh, mirrors. No, Sh- not I you said sharp, shiny things. Oh, no, but like I, I, if you've got like <laughs> if you've got like badges that you used to wear, or if you you know like key rings with little stuff on, like anything. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite thing that I did for a friend who really loves um, Metallica on his wedding album, I found an enter key off a computer. Mm-hmm. So I put, and he also loves computers. So there was an enter key, yeah. and then I um, had these little letters that came out of a jeweler's shop for describing jewellery. So like these little individual letters, and so I put Sandman down the side of the ah, enter key, and I was like, "That is good. I've nailed that." And he was happy with that. Yeah, it was pretty excited. You wouldn't be. That was yeah. uh, that's you've nailed it. Uh, and what about plugs? Where, where can people follow you oh. on your socials online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Calbo C A L B O, which that was a good one w- to get. Early? Yeah, it yeah. was actually, yeah. yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Calbo Wilson. You can find me on Troll Play, which is a podcast that Alice mm-hmm. Fraser and Sammy Shah and I are doing Excellent. about making shitty things on the internet lovely. Yeah. Um, and that's – and you can see me live yeah, in about an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come back in time yeah. to tonight and check it out on on stage. And, yeah, you're just touring. All, you're all, all, yeah, always all over the place. doing shows and stuff. So. Go and see Cal live. Uh, that is the end of the podcast. Thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. Ah, what a pleasure. Cheers. Hey, thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to follow Cal on social media, she's on Instagram at Calbo Wilson and on Twitter at Calbo, C-A-L-B-O. So follow her on there and go and see her live at some point. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends. They can subscribe on iTunes, uh, and if they don't have iTunes, uh, they can head to my website, which is danielconnell.com.au, and there's a podcast section there where you can listen to this one, episode 18, and there's 17 other episodes. Uh, while you're on there, most will check out my gigs page to see what live stand-up I've got coming up. Uh, also, if you're on social media, I'm on Twitter, at danielconnell3, Instagram, at danielconnellcomedy, and if you're on Facebook, I'm also at Daniel Connell comedy. So give those a like and that is about it. We'll see you next time. Take it easy.